0: Amen. Thank you, everybody. Do have a seat. Really good to worship together, and we're going to make sure we have plenty of time at the end for uh, response in worship as well too. Um, today is the second week in a new series. We began it last week called "Here We Are to Worship." looking at our corporate worship life together, looking at our kind of gathered times when we meet like this. Last week, Roger kicked off the series and he was thinking about what true worship is and also what it isn't. He was reminding us that when we come to worship, it's not about our preferences, it's not about how we're feeling, but about coming to God with sacrifice in our hearts, wanting to give ourselves humbly to him as we gather together. And for the rest of the weeks in this series, we're thinking about some of the more demonstrable outworkings of our worship together as we see the early church experience in the New Testament when they met to worship God together. So coming up in future weeks, we're looking at these themes. What is worship was last week? Uh, In the future, we're thinking about a word from God. What is prophecy and what does that look like in our gathered meetings? A gift for prayer, some teaching about speaking in tongues and growing as Worshippers learning how we can grow in learning to worship in spirit and in truth, and all of this is in the context that worship spills over into our everyday lives. That always has been and continues to be a really important value for us. That the worship with, that we worship with our lives in our frontline places—it is no more spiritual what we are doing here this morning than what you are doing at 22:11 to tomorrow. At work, at, at school, at the school gate, at home, being a carer, um, at the gym, wherever you are, we take worship into the whole of our lives. But we do also recognize that there's something special that happens when we gather together in his name. And we're thinking for a few weeks about how we can grow in that and enjoy that more. And today we're thinking about uh, empowered by God being filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is a central theme to talk about if we're thinking about uh, worship together and gathering together as believers. The Holy Spirit is a very personal gift, we are are given the gift of the Spirit, He uh, comes and inhabits us personally, individually, but His life and His power within us will naturally spill over into our corporate life together. And the New Testament is full of examples of gathered believers experiencing the presence and power of God together. Paul writes to various churches in the New Testament, and he kind of exhorts them. You know, He sort of strongly encourages them to seek more of the Holy Spirit and to expect him to be at work in their meetings through joy, in worship, through prophecy, through prayer, and through the prayer language of tongues, through power to heal and to bless, through his grace uh, in the place of encounter. So being filled with the Spirit is incredibly personal, but it is also absolutely about our wider gathered life together. And I long for us to be a community of disciples who are filled and empowered with the presence of Jesus, such that our meetings are places of encounter with him. When I was at university, I shared a house with four other girls. There were five of us all together in this house. We might have some students back, if that's you. Uh, Welcome back. And um, I was a pretty good housemate, I think. I feel like I just need to say that. I was quite clean and tidy. (laughs) Um, I don't feel know why I quite have to justify, but I am. Um, uh, yeah, five of us living in this house. And what was interesting about my experience was that I knew all of the girls before we would made a decision that we were going to live in this house together. But four of us were very close and spent a lot of time together. But there was one person who was much more removed and she really distanced herself from us in our house. There was nothing negative that happened. There were no arguments. But she... Kept herself to herself. She stayed in her room. She didn't socialise with us. You know, we watched, we watched neighbours every day. And, and the weakest link, or was it 15 to 1? Anyway, every day, one of those. It was a kind of communal time, and then we'd eat together. And she didn't join us in that. She was kind of set apart from us somehow. She was present in our house. But it was like living with someone that we just didn't know very well. Now, when we become Christians, Jesus, through his spirit, lives within us. The very presence of Jesus, available for every single Christian believer who has committed themselves to following him, has his spirit in their lives. But it's possible, and dare I say it's it's actually quite common, to live like strangers in the same house. Jesus is there. He's absolutely there. He's, He's moved in. He's taken up residency. We've accepted that. But we can live day by day with no sense of his presence or joy or companionship or love that he wants us to know and experience. He's there, but you wouldn't really be aware of it. And when we talk about being empowered by God and being filled with the Spirit, I think that helps just to illustrate what we mean. That he doesn't just move in, but that we should be fully aware of his presence in every room of the uh, of the house of our lives. That instead of just dwelling within, we give him access. We allow him to, to love and to lead and to live through us, to fill us, to be alongside us in all things. And what I would want to do this morning um, being filled with the Spirit, you know, that could be like a term, sermon series in itself. But what I want to do is to make three comments about what we see in Scripture about being filled with the Spirit, which I hope will help us and try to summarise what being filled with the Spirit means. And I hope that will excite us and whet our appetites a bit about what God has got to offer. And I want to make some space at the end of the message for some worship and response and to offer some prayer and some ministry here today as well. And the first comment I want to make is that we haven't got all that we could have, as I've already been alluding to. We haven't got all that we could have. When the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians, he prays for them. And this is his prayer in Ephesians 1. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for us who believe. And it's an interesting prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians. He prays that they would know Jesus better. And what does that look like? It looks like more wisdom, more revelation, have more hope, more experience of his riches and more of his power. Paul prays for more for the Ephesian Christians because they needed more. And we need more of God because clearly we haven't got all that we could have. Billy Graham um, once wrote this, the great um, evangelist. Everywhere I go, and he went a lot of places, didn't he, Billy Graham? Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. We haven't got all that we could have. Now, I've got a, um, a balloon here. Can you see my balloon at the back? You're, you're a long way away. Jolly good you can see my balloon. Um, I think I think this is a balloon left over from a kid's party bag, because it's like the law, isn't it, that if your kids go to a party, they get a balloon in a party bag. I don't know if you've ever watched children blowing up a balloon, but it's hilarious, isn't it? It's a lot of effort for very little output. Red, puffy, and like a, a, an inch of, of air. Um, Having said that, I feel like there are two kinds of adult in the world as well. Those who are good at blowing up balloons and those who aren't. Uh, you can decide which category you are in. Now, um, I've asked Rob to come and help me with my balloon. Are you in the good at blowing up balloon category, Rob? I didn't actually ask you this. He says so-so, which is a bit worrying for my illustration. Um, I haven't blo- There's no slobber in there. I haven't blown into that balloon. Um... Okay, so Rob's going to start blowing up this balloon. Now, when kids blow up a balloon, or adults who aren't very good, um, you blow up a balloon, and you fill it, and you think, that's not bad. Hold that up, Rob, so people can see. You think, that's not bad. There's got air in it. I can tie it up. Happy days. We can bat it around and enjoy the balloon. It looks pretty full. You think that will do. That's as much air as will go in that balloon. It looks pretty well inflated. But actually, there's a huge amount more capacity in that balloon that you might not realise. More capacity there. Everyone feels a bit nervous, Rob, but keep going. <laughs> I am confident in this balloon that could get quite a lot bigger than that. Go for it. What do you reckon, one more? Go on, one more. I'm not sure what the illustration is if it bursts. I'll think about that when I come to it. <laughs> tie it off for me, that big way. I feel that like there's also two kinds of people in the world, one who can tie off balloons and one who can't as well. Don't worry if you can't, because it doesn't matter too much. I can fly it around the... I'll just hold it. Aha, fantastic. Thank you very much, Rob. Gosh, that's actually, I'd say, twice the size of the half-filled balloon that was perfectly adequate. Could have played with that balloon perfectly happily. Now, we as Christians can be like balloons. There is... There is room for more. We might consider ourselves to be perfectly adequately full, but actually God has got more of his life-giving breath to breathe into us. Let's not be short-changed by thinking that we're full when God has got more to give us. I'm going to back this over there, but I don't really want anyone to play with it, okay? Oh, okay, we'll just leave it there. We clearly haven't got all that we could have Let's come to Jesus to ask to be filled and refilled so that we are filled to the, the capacity of our, of our individual capacity, the fullness of our individual capacity. We haven't got all that we could have. And the second thought is that when we look at Scripture, there's actually a biblical expectancy about the people of God receiving and being filled with his presence. In our Bibles, there's an expectation that when someone is filled with the Spirit, it is uh, tangible and miserable. That when he comes into our lives, you know about it. The word for the Holy Spirit in the Bible, um, for being filled with the Spirit, um, can be translated as breath. Or wind, the word for the Holy Spirit. In the Hebrew, it's ruach that we read in the Old Testament. And uh, the Greek is pneuma. Lovely words. They're quite onomatopoeic, aren't they? they? They sound like what they are. Breath or wind, ruach and pneuma. And the metaphor of breath or wind is a spatial one, is understood in terms of, of volume and measure and quantity. In Scripture, we meet people who are measurably filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not why people get filled with the Holy Spirit and it sort of happens happens in no one, including them, know anything about it. In Scripture, people are measurably filled with the Spirit. A few examples from the book of Acts, the story of the very first church. On the day of Pentecost, the whole house was filled with the the mighty wind, the mighty pneuma of God, Acts 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The believers knew about it when the Holy Spirit came. Peter goes to a prayer meeting after being arrested. And we're told in Acts 4, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Later when the church are looking for people to help with the task of uh, waiting on tables, they're looking for those in Acts chapter 6 who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. In Acts chapter 9, when Ananias lays hands on Saul, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 11, we meet Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. They knew that about him. In Acts 13, the ministry of Paul and Barnabas in Antioch results in the disciples' being filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on. These are examples from the first church in Acts, but the letters too are full of exhortations for believers to be filled in a measurable way with the Spirit. And examples of believers being filled in a way that they knew and others knew about it. Joy, power, wisdom, spiritual gifts, boldness, a whole number of things, measurably full, so that we know he is at work in every room in the house of our lives, that our balloon, the capacity, is increased. And this is a biblical norm. We can have this same life-giving power, this breath filling our lives. Some people get themselves in a knot about language. I just want to make a comment about that and, and clear some of that up for me. Personally, I don't find phrases particularly like being baptised in the Holy Spirit or certainly second blessing of the Holy Spirit, particularly helpful, they're sometimes used. They reduce the, the work of the Holy Spirit to a kind of one-off experience that I don't see in Scripture. Um, Bishop David Pitches is quoted as saying, he said, I do believe in the second blessing. It comes after the first and before the third, fourth, fifth and sixth. This idea that the Holy, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit again In Ephesians 4, Paul says, he says, um, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that word, be filled, every scholar agrees. That word is in the present continuous tense. Much better translated. Instead, go on being filled with the Spirit. It certainly doesn't refer to a one-off experience. It's a kind of once for all. You know, that's it, I'm done now. I've received the Spirit. I've been baptised in the Spirit. I'm done Go on being filled. And as I look at scripture, being filled with the Holy Spirit means this, a repeatable, deepening experience of God's Spirit, ongoing after our conversion, which is available to every believer. Let's be expectant that when we ask, he will fill us, we will know about it, his love, his joy, his power, his gifts, and so on. And it's ongoing. And there's an expectation in our Bibles that this is the norm. My third comment and final is this one. Hunger is a sign of health. When we sing or pray, I want I want more of you, God, it's not a kind of selfish navel-gazing thing. It's not, um, oh, bless me, God, so I feel good. I want, and I, I want it to be all about me. And then a kind of consumerist, blessing, blessing, it's all about me. I'm not worried about anything else kind of way. It's not that at all. When we say, Lord, I want more of you, is actually the cry of a mature heart. We are wired in our DNA as God's children to want more of the company of our Father. He wants to spend time with his children. We are hardwired to want to know his presence and his love and power in our lives. It is good to be hungry for more of God. And some of us have lost our appetites If I lose my appetite for food, I know something's not quite right. When that happens, it's quite rare. Let's not lose our spiritual appetite. It is good to be hungry. If you go to a kind of all-you-can-eat buffet restaurant thing, you know, you pay a set price, and then you can eat as much as you like. So you go to Pizza Hut, other restaurants are available. Uh, You pay your 10 quid or whatever it is, and you get unlimited... um, Pizza and pasta and salad, which basically means pizza, doesn't it? And a bit of pasta and a bit of salad. And unlimited means exactly that. There's no limits as to how much you can eat. Calvin, if you went to Pizza Hut, how many slices of pizza? If you were really hungry, how many do you reckon you could eat? Well, I I might manage the whole... A whole pizza. What's that, like eight slices? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone? Anyone reckon they can eat more than eight? I don't know why I'm saying this. Can anyone beat Calvin? It's like a competition. (laughs) Eight slices. Your only limit to um, Calvin's capacity is his own... Hunger for the food, because the price is set. He'd be allowed to eat 808 slices of pizza if he wanted to, once he'd paid his money. And what God has done in us is He's put in us an ongoing capacity for Him, not physical hunger. Where you're hungry, you're filled, and then you get hungry again the next day. There's an ongoing capacity in the children of God for the presence of God. The only limiting factor is not His promise, but it's our desire, our hunger for Him. God is a loving and generous Father, and He has more to give. And as we're filled regularly with more of Him, we get power and joy, which is then a blessing to others. We are blessed in order to be a blessing to then go on and serve. We get given spiritual gifts to build up the body, we get a, a closeness and an intimacy, which is healing. And heals loads of our interior issues, making us a more whole person. And then we can be a gift to the world. We are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. As we are filled with him, as he transforms our character and makes us holy. So we're hungry and it's maturity. And we are made whole and filled and are blessed and are then a blessing. The promise is right there in our Bibles, Luke 11 that God is a loving, generous, good, good father, as we've sung. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Incredible promise, which basically says, if we ask, he gives. Because we've, we've, we've paid our 10 pounds in the sense that we have committed our lives to Jesus. We've done what's needed. There is unlimited love and grace and uh, presence. There's an unlimited resources of God our Heavenly Father to know. We ask and he gives. I've been prayed for countless times, dozens, hundreds of times, by other people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I look back at my Christian journey, I can point to occasions where God's presence has been so real to me in that moment for healing and and, and, and joy and company and so helpful. And yes, I pray in my own prayer times, Uh, with the Lord, fill me with your spirit today. I need you for today. When we're in our gathered times here, that's what we'll pray. I need him. We need him. It is good to be hungry. And he is a good and generous father. He wants to give us more of himself. So let's not settle, I guess is what I'm saying. Let's not settle for for two slices of pizza when we could have more. Let's not settle for inviting Jesus into our lives, but only giving him a little bit of access and not being aware of his presence in all the rooms of our lives. Let's not settle being half filled like a balloon, perfectly adequate, but with so much more breath that could be received. Being filled with the Spirit regularly is biblical. It is vital Having him in our lives is not something over and above the cross. It's not a kind of deluxe edition of Christianity for people who are really good. The filling of the Spirit is for every child of God to be filled in an ongoing, measurable way. As I said earlier, a repeatable, deepening experience of God's Spirit ongoing after our conversion, which is available to every believer. And I'd want to summarise this message in this way, that receiving the Spirit is these four things, essential personal, repeatable, and tangible. And my prayer is for us to be a church of disciples regularly filled to overflowing with the presence and power of God, such that it impacts our meetings. As you pray on a Tuesday morning that God would fill you with his spirit as you take his presence into your workplace, then when you come on a Sunday, his presence is in you, filling you, spilling over into our gathered worship times together. That's my prayer. Lord, would we be disciples filled, overflowing with the presence of God. So we're going to come and uh, pray together. And uh, deliberately want to leave some time at the end for um, some prayer. So perhaps a band wants to come back and join us. We're going to worship together. I'm going to encourage us all to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit again. Yes, do pray on your own at home. Please do that. But in the New Testament, believers were often filled in gathered times through the laying on of hands by other believers. And we're going to make space for that as well. And in a moment, I'm going to invite anybody who, who wants to come and have some prayer to do that. Wouldn't it be wonderful, actually? You know, hunger, it's, it's good to be hungry. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if today we made space for dozens and dozens and dozens of us? to experience the presence of God again through the filling of his spirit. So why don't we stand first of all, and we're just going to have a moment of, of quiet and a personal prayer, and then I'll just lead us in what we're going to do next.